This morning's Dharma talk is titled Perception Impulse. Perception, perception, impulse. Perception, impulse. It is uh, sometimes the of the five skandhas or the five heaps, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness. Sometimes a third one is called perception impulse. Lots of ways of talking about that, thinking about it, reflecting on it, using it as a as a, a conceptual dynamic to help you deepen your understanding of who this is, who this is, who, who what is actually happening here? What is the fundamental situation that's going on? Not your spinning ideas about, about, about it, about it. It's interesting. We look at something and then we immediately abandon what we're looking at for something else, something safer, something more secure, uh, something that supports our individual uh, ongoing propaganda about ourselves. There's a, there's a way that that, and that seems to have a duration. It seems that we have a, sometimes that perception in, impulse is immediately corrected. We, we have the perception, we have the impulse, and it flips the other way because the traditional one is we see we see a, a rope on the ground and we think it's a snake. Oh, no, it's not. That's perception impulse. We have a perception, and then all of the dynamics, the whole entire consciousness itself comes to the rescue, so to speak, to let you know what you're seeing. And it does it through basically what we call memory. But that is not just one thing remembering some other thing. It's everything coming together at once. It's called impulse. Perception, receiving. Impulse, producing. Receiving, producing. Receiving, producing. We're doing it constantly. Uh, another simple way that uh, shows up uh, is uh, like Jun Shu's uh, story about uh, living in an apartment where they have a cutout of a policeman. Remember that? Yeah. I know. I'm character from a show, and when you would come around the corner, you would see it and think it's a real person. And then you think, oh, no, it's not. So it's kind of self-correcting just because it's obviously an impulse about something. So the, all, that, all that memory of everything is all stored there, and, you, and you, it's pretty hard to, to stop that. It just continues. And we, there's, no time, there's no time to say, oh, no, or unless you even think about it when you come back and it'll do it again. You notice that? No. And then I have uh, got a couple more stories here, so it won't be too boring. I have a, a, um, a situation where I actually saw an animal go through that. It was a groundhog. He was about this, this big standing up, because that's when I met him, he was standing up. I'm in a, a month-long solitary, strict solitary retreat, about 10 miles north of here in the woods in Berry County, in a cabin that I built, uh, nine by nine, so I'm going to call it a cabin, more like a large outhouse and uh, I was out there so that fits and uh, several weeks into it uh, there's a window that when I went when I started it was May the 15th and went to uh, June the 15th so I'm, I have uh, it's uh, hexagonal so there's a window uh, on every side there's no some forts out to there's some uh, barracks buildings out to Fort Custer so I got a few windows and I put them in that shape and put a roof on it and hid out in there for a month. So I'm sitting and I'm looking out and uh, looking out the window and the, the plants are growing in front of me. Uh, unless you look at a plant for several weeks or a month, you're not going to notice it growing. But I actually watch things daydreaming or worrying about stuff or wondering if I was ever going to figure out what the hell this is. 
and I'm looking and I'm watching. And as a, this is a one, just a, as a side, uh, uh, as a, when I started, there was a plant with a leaf about this big. And when I, and so just, that's where I looked. I just looked out there. If I looked up, there was a field out there that I could look across. And this way it was all, I built it right on the edge of the woods and uh, the crows there one day. I don't know when it was a few weeks in probably, or maybe more, maybe less. And then I see something moving. I don't even look over at it. I just, well, eventually I'll see what it is. I'm looking out the window at these leaves day after day after day, eight hours a day, or uh, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. And uh, this animal comes and comes up and they're, they're, they have mullions. So there's a window and a window and a window, and then three more up here, and then three more up here. So it's old fashioned. So I'm just looking out. I, I don't look up to see, I just kind of see something moving that way and, or this way. And then, and, and then he, she, they, stands up and looks in the window and I'm looking right into its eye. It's just like it couldn't have been choreographed or any better. It's just perfect. I'm looking there. He comes up, they come up, stand up, look in the window right at me. It's like, it's as if the animal looked and thought, Hmm, human. <laughs> Cause he went for 15 minutes about that. It was nothing, nothing else was funny. So, actually, I would sit there for a while and then I would start to chuckle again about that. <laughs> Perception impulse. And then the, uh, we have another one that uh, kind of brought this up this morning. We have a we recently acquired a, a 200 year old, another one, you know, like this gentleman here who's quite, quite old. We uh, just recently acquired another uh, ancient Buddha from China. He's quite a bit smaller, pardon me. But we've been sort of watching him and looking at trying to figure out whether to leave him like it is, which uh, we were, um, a lot of people wanted us to leave this one like it was. It looked more like an antique. It was all beat up and flaking and coming apart. But we decided not to do that. And this one is, uh, um, we're trying to understand uh, what to, what to, whether to go leaf the face or leave it all kind of crummy looking or, or what. So um, I'll decide that. The way I usually decide things by not knowing what to do. So the uh, reason I'm bringing that up is we have that sitting. It's, he's, he's only about this wide and about so high, and he's sitting in the, in the you know kind of an office chair in the living room. So <laughs> we've both been doing this, uh, coming around the corner out of the bedroom or out of the uh, hallway or whatever, and seeing him immediately. There's somebody sitting in that chair. So it's, we never come out and say. We just recognize that that's, I don't know, it's probably happened to me 20 times, not about you. And it's always like, oh, who is that? Over and so a percept, there's a perception of that, and then we immediately go into some kind of grasping about it. We, it's very, very difficult, if not impossible, to look at something without impulsively adding something or identifying something or uh, claiming some knowledge about that that comes up in the form of just an inst uh, inst yeah. Well, you know what I mean. It just comes up in the the um, the uh, rupa or the form of the Buddha. Um, but that when I mentioned that, that's when Unio told me your story. So I didn't hear it from you. Um, but you could you could do um, you can do that type of a thing to to see that contrast. It's it's interesting. You see it, and then it immediately resolves itself. You go back into no. That's just. Uh, that figure or that's just that silhouette or just that um, 
So the, the, what happens, it seems like that our perception, uh, if you're, if you have uh, practiced some clarifying your concepts and what you're grasping at and what you're rejecting, what you're believing, what you're not believing, if you're, if you're beginning to be more aware of how you are manipulated, your activity is manipulated by the way you grasp and reject. It's not about not doing that, uh, even though it's taught that way. And even though I even say, don't conclude, don't, don't add, don't, don't come to any conclusion about anything. The reason I say that is not because I expect you to necessarily stop doing that, but uh, would if I say it that way, then you'll be more and more aware of how much you do that. And I'm not saying it might not slow down some, but if there's a lot of awareness there, it doesn't really need to slow down because the awareness does not need a solution. Your Buddha nature doesn't need something else. Your Buddha nature is not separate from anything else. And if you see it, the work is done. When I say the work is done, that's one way of saying it. The other way of saying it is the work just begins because now you realize what you're actually here to do instead of come up with ideas about how to be this and how to be that. How can I, even people who want to help others are more about wanting to be people who help others rather than fundamentally helping others. If you fundamentally help others, you'll stop meddling with them. People have their own karma, should be respected. When I say respected, you should see the boundary between yourself and others. If you see that, you see the way in which you're not separate from them. You can't see the way that you're not separate from them by constantly churning out things, uh, statements like, we're all one. Why can't we all get along? We're all one. We're not all one. That's a misunderstanding. And it's an ego-centered approach to getting rid of the problem. Well, we're all one. So, end of problem. You have to see the separation. If you don't see the separation uh, with a, a lot of depth, you could say, or uh, a lot of... Uh, uh, the quality of not actually knowing what it is you're looking at instead of having a conclusion around it, which is another artificial separation based on fear. We can't stand to not know what that is. So we conclude. And there are different uh, that perception impulse seems to have uh, an instantaneity. Did I say that? It seems to have an ins instantaneous aspect to it, like with the uh, um, seeing the coming around the corner and seeing this, the back of this Buddha figure, somebody sitting in that chair for a while. I thought it was her. It was never was her. And then there's a, the, another aspect to it where it seems to take a while. Uh, one can spend their whole life working with a, an impulse that keeps firing over and over and over. One continuously, continuously uh, votes Republican. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to go into politics. But you know what I'm talking about. That once you come to a conclusion, you stop investigating. You don't need to do that. You can actually be in the dark. I highly recommend it. I couldn't teach my Buddha nature with you. More about seeing the separate. Says that you're, you, none of your business. That doesn't mean that you don't keep them from playing with broken glass or say, I wouldn't go that direction if I were you. But you basically don't meddle with them. And uh, if, if you are continu continually meddling with yourself and trying to make yourself into something uh, in order to feel better about yourself, then you probably are going to do that same thing to others. More? Good question. So um, in seeing the separation between yourself and others and trying not to meddle. Um, seeing that you're meddling is how it's done. Trying not to meddle. Right. It's really hard to not meddle. But you can see that you're meddling, and that's the beginning of it. Go ahead. 
How does that relate to the no self? It doesn't say there isn't something there. It's just not a singularity of someone over here, someone over there. This person's doing pretty good. That person's not doing so good. We need to help the poor. Those kind of separations that have powerfully idealistic and good heartfelt intentions. But it is a misunderstanding of what? It's a misunderstanding of dependent origination. The teaching of the Buddha from 2,500 years ago, everything is dependently arisen. There are no separate beings anywhere. There's, there's not, there's separation, separations, but fundamentally not separate. It's, uh, you can't go so far as to say, well, then isn't this just one thing? No, because anytime you have one, you create something else. You can't get the number one without something else. The computer experts know about that. Yes, Michael. How would you work with attachment and non-attachment to the perception? Just look at it. If you, if you struggle with it or you push on it or you try to correct it, you buy into the very nature of, uh, of dependent origination where one is blindfolded by that activity. So you buy into the, that you actually get lost in that. Whereas if you do nothing with it, then, then the consciousness is just, you're just aware of the movement, you're just aware of coming and going. And it's called choiceless. If you're making choices based on some kind of process of thinking, evaluating what's best, um, what's going to work best for everybody. It's not that that might not be relatively correct in a lot of situations, but it's still circular. Uh, you're, if you try to get peace, you're going to have war. War and peace are life and death, confusion and clarity, Buddhas, sentient beings, polarities, polarities. Don't do it. And how do you, how do you, how do you don't do it? You see how much you do it. And then it backs off of its own. You don't need to stop doing something. Is perception impulse the skanda where receiving becomes producing? Do all the skandhas have that dynamic? Well, since there's, uh, since they're broken down into parts in order to get a better feeling for what's happening, probably some of that's happening. Just like seeing something, uh, we're immediately adding on to what we're seeing. Smelling something, we're immediately adding on. So consciousness is not has that kind of a, uh, um, it's it's uh, um, making associations at, we'd say, lightning speed so that we can't even track it. That's why this perception impulse is interesting because you can actually you can actually watch this uh, uh, coming around the corner and, or the rope is a snake kind of thing. You see it and you realize you go to, go to one place and then you realize, no, it's not that. So it, it backs out of itself, so to speak. Further question. Sure. And an example of the rope and the snake is the is seeing the rope more correct than seeing the snake there. So I, I think the way I would respond to that is it's not it's not about being correct. I mean I understand what you're saying there, but the the perception and the, you know, if you go into right and wrong about uh, about any situation like that, then you'll always try to you'll always be on the lookout. You become kind of paranoid about everything. So I don't know. Maybe you could ask the, the question in a different way. It seems like when we're looking at how we project onto things, it kind of suggests that if we just see the rope or you just walk in the room and see the Buddha and not someone else, then that's more valid or, or less producing. And I'm wondering if if what's being pointed at in the teachings is even more beyond that. I don't know. How's it look to you? I have another question. How about my question? How's it look to you? Okay, good. Go ahead. Is, What's your question? Is the rope a form of protection? 
Well, everything is a project. Uh, is, we're, we're projecting everything as being other or something else. So that's that's where you're going with that. Even the rope, because a rope is what made up of something strands. Well, then the strand it's a bundle of strands. Like this is a bundle of fingers. No, it's a hand. You know, we with a naming quality of everything is, is rampant. It's all over the place. And it's not about getting rid of anything. It's just about, about seeing clearly what this is. And I can tell you in a couple of words what it is, but you have to see it. And it's not about, I say it over and over, don't, don't believe a word I say. I'm not here to, uh, to tell you the truth. I'm here to point to where you might want to look to see it. And that is not separate. So how, when we do that, we have to look at the apparent separations. Some of those separations are terrifying, yes. So it seems like we're pointing to an area where we, we're projecting onto like a projection that's already happened. What's what's important about that that particular area of the projection? Just because there's an interval there where that shows up, where you can work with it. Just like when you're sitting down you know, practicing shikantaza, practicing meditation, you might sit there and just see the wall, see the bumps on the wall for a while, and then something comes up. And then you just notice the contrast between something that comes up. And a moment ago, there was just the bumps on the wall. And you were adding and subtracting and dividing and judging and evaluating that. And then it moves to a different. But, but there's one thing that doesn't change. Find out what it is. It's not somebody, sir. I'm trying to get a little more clear about what exactly meddling is. Can you give me a little more of an example of what that looks like? Or, uh, yeah, I, I guess before before you answer, go ahead. There's, I'm wondering if meddling could actually look like uh, turning away from something. Could yes, it could. In, in that, it seems like it's, it has there's a lot of uh, dynamics to what meddling is. No, oh, my goodness, yeah. There's you can take it. My badness, you can take it all kinds of directions. It, it doesn't have a it doesn't have a direction. This is the this is why the um, trying to be good and try to avoid evil is just causes more circularity. It's like um, positive and negative. You can't have positive without negative. This, this is not validating evil deeds. I'm not saying that, but it's, uh, the polarity is what needs to be seen and not the rightness or the wrongness of it. Even though we work with like our 16 precepts are about do good, don't do harm. But we need some kind of a conceptual touchstone for us to function at all because it's about being more aware. Did you? Is the impulse itself a perception? It seems, the way, I think, the way it's set up and the way I'm, under, I'm understanding is that we, we receive something and then we uh, have a, a, an impulsive production. We, we do something or think something or assume something or react to something. So there's some kind of a, of a movement happening. Uh, I'm not saying there aren't other, other um, pilot fish that come and grab onto the, the initial impulse that do something else with it, so, some other activity, because it's uh, complicated in that way. You don't have to see all of them or pick them all out or label them, but you kind of notice that it's pretty complicated with the way thoughts uh, move. You can't actually find a thought. We all agree. We Everybody here has thoughts. Thoughts come and go and come and go, but you can't really see them. We kind of know what they do, create confusion, but we don't know what they are. Well, I mean, what are is a thought? Is a, a thought, is that something? Is that something... In consciousness, that's the way it's taught. Thoughts arise in consciousness, and we are uh, 
taught to or it's recommended that we just watch what's coming and going rather than get attached to it or reject it by attachment or cling to it by attachment or ignore it by attachment. So that whole area can get uh, pretty crowded with various kinds of energies going different ways. The less you do, the more you'll see. The more you receive, the less you'll do. And But if you do receive and start producing, that production will come out of uh, uh, a, uh, a what's traditionally called uh, Maha Vipassana or panoramic awareness, an incredible and powerful and all-pervasive awareness of your entire, the entire mandala that you're in, which might just be this room, but you don't miss much here. That doesn't mean you're collecting information. It's not even information. It's just a, it's just a deep understanding that goes beyond this and that, goes beyond the polarized way of knowing things, beyond the intellectual way of knowing things. Not, take, not getting rid of intellect. We need it. We can't, we can't, we can't get in here. We can't build a house. We can't um, sew our clothes. Yes, sir. But couldn't that look like meddling? Anything can look like meddling. Panoramic awareness. Yeah, it can. Especially if you think you have panoramic awareness. You're actually meddling with your Buddha nature because you, not just you, but then you prefer a credential about it rather than the actual Buddha nature. The actual Buddha nature is not a credential. It needs to be pointed to or we can't, we can't talk to it. Somebody 2,500 years ago pointed to it. Other people there said, tell me more. And then he pointed to it again. Tell me more. What, what, how does it look? Then he started talking about the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the 12 links in the chain of existence, dependent origination, the, uh, the various realms or states of consciousness. Yes. Do you use meddling as a, a teaching tool? No. I say don't meddle. Uh, more as a, in your interpersonal student-teacher relationships, as a teacher, do you not meddle? Do I not meddle? I meddle all the time. I'm meddling with all of you. I'm sure you've noticed. I'm sure you've noticed. <laughs> I meddled with you so much, you even left once. And then you thought, that wasn't so bad. I think glad. <laughs> He's not that mean. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that you can't get away you know, can't get away from any of that activity. Anytime you say, I don't do that, you're lying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep coming. This helps me teach when I have a student. <laughs> Are you saying that there is there could be clarity in, within meddling? Meddling is clarity. How is meddling clarity? When it's not meddling. Okay, I'll say it more clearly. When there's no meddler. If there's a meddler, it's meddling. But if the meddling is happening just out of the nature of perception and the na- nature of uh, perception, but not impulse, not conclusion, just perception. Uh, in the Yogacara te- teachings, which I'm sure you heard, all of you have heard, probably, uh, there's, only, there's perception only. The impulse is uh, the otherness of it. The impulse is the, the subjectivity of it or the objectivity. Subjectivity and objectivity, I mean, even though this is incredibly uh, cinemascope, technicolor, and high relief and high definition and well, there's a few other words there that are pretty fancy it's intensely real but it's not separate and if you realize that then you get to participate in the intense separation of everything uh, of things coming this way and going that way smelling great and smelling terrible all you get to participate you, you no longer war with anything your most negative thoughts and feelings are allowed to come and go and because they can't find a self they can't find a center of interest or disinterest I'm not saying there's some some interest or curiosity comes and goes, but never never leads to anything. It just, it's just 
it's just it, it is just there incidentally. And if one is uh, on this path, one is about saving all beings. How do you do that? Start with your own thought patterns. Stop objecting to your emotions, your feelings. Don't even agree with them. Don't agree. Don't object. Don't look away. This is this is the three poisons. This is a basic teaching of Buddha Dharma. <laughs> so I assume by let's, let me try to reiterate in my words, but by virtue of awareness, you're both meddling and not meddling at the same time. Yes. So people who are meddling that are are actually just meddling are people who think they're doing good. They're not really aware that they're meddling. Whereas someone who's aware that they're meddling is is genuine. They're genuine because they're no longer trying to correct anything. They're, they're all done with doing. They're all done with trying to control every damn thing that happens, or be responsible for it, or be a blame, or someone else is to blame. It's just a huge uh, Coney Island of the mind, where everything is uh, entertainment and a lot of difficulty. If you have to work there, excuse them. Are the impulses that show up here the only ones that I can observe? Mm, you could get a groundhog. <laughs> But you could you could see it you could see it in others if that's what you're asking you could see it in uh, you know you could see it you know in your in your in Danny you know possibly some of your you might be able to see it in me you might be able to see it in other people here but if that's what you're asking me you see you pointed to the otherness of the impulse no. so I'm wondering if the only impulses we can work with or look at fundamentally are our own well the way you're asking it I would say yeah just work with your own not that you couldn't see others uh, happening, but working with your own, that's to see the way in which you keep stepping aside from what is in front of you. You're looking at the truth and you cover it up with uh, impulse where the perception is accurate. You're seeing, go ahead, you. Is there a quality of dependent origination to impulse? No. But, but you, so you don't have to agree with it or object to it or do anything with it other than just be aware of it. Because it will get bright blue and it'll turn to a pale shade of yellow without you doing anything. Things are just changing all the time. And yet, nothing's really happening in the fundamental sense. In in perception only, um, does impulse always follow? The way way it's being taught. Perception impulse. So we see something and then we add, subtract, divide, come to a conclusion, come to a exclusion. Do, we do something with everything. But, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to ask, um, in, if you see perception only, then does the impulse that follows come from a different pers- perspective or could come from anywhere. Could could show up in any causes and conditions or or dependently arisen. So there could be any kind of source. I, I don't have much interest in in, in, this, in the, the relative source of something uh, or, or who did this or why is this happening. Anytime uh, yesterday I was talking about the why questions. Anytime you say why, you the investig- actual investigation. What is that? Stops and we go towards the circularity of cause and effect or why because why because. So that may happen, but when the awareness is, uh, when when just the, the space in which things occur, that space itself is fine with thoughts happening. It's a fine with not thoughts happening. It notices thoughts. You could say it, just say it in a relative way. It also notices there aren't any thoughts, but it doesn't claim like I'm not thinking. There's no one cl- making any claims about it. 
So whatever's happening with you, if you're claiming anything about it, this is you're actually moving away from your your birthright, your Buddha nature. Not about just Buddhism. Buddhism is just a way of talking about this. There are other. This is pointed out in other ways. It's not called Buddha nature. It's called the truth, and you get to see it. And there's nothing to believe or disbelieve. Yes. If there's no one having the impulse, then is it just coming out of the situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, there's no, there, I'm not saying it doesn't look like there's identities everywhere, especially somebody who is a, a really uh, extremely narcissistic or someone who is uh, uh, going the other way, someone who's really, really giving, just wants to be helping people constantly. There's powerful identities happening there. And they're doing things that are confusing and difficult, and they're doing things that are relatively helpful and good. Uh, those are those are mundane approaches, even though they might claim spirituality. Some people really claim a lot of spirituality, and they're, you know, they're flat in the dirt. Dirt's good, though, especially really clean dirt. Yes. A question from Vishal in San Jose. Vishal. Should there be any effort to keep eyeballs still and controlled blinking? Still and controlled but blinking? Controlled blinking. No, just count your blinks. <laughs> or count somebody else's blinks. I'm sure you've noticed some people just talk when they're just constantly blinking. You think, what is that about? <laughs> you need some eye watch. I, I don't know. I, I would say that any movement could be observed. So if you're doing sitting meditation, you're sitting symmetrical, and you notice that your uh, your eye blinks are increasing, you could just hang out with that for a while. And rather than go to why, just go to what? what is it? What's happening? So... I'm not sure exactly the context that you're asking it about. Sometimes if it's just one eye blink, you're actually winking at someone. Would you why? Kiyun. That's a that's good. Uh, um, there's going to be some there. Or there, or there won't be an impulse. So there's going to be some kind of a, a recognition, like a recognition that you know, you're coming in the room that there, there's no and yet you see a form sitting in a chair, and you don't you, you think there's somebody sitting there instead of. Uh, oh, that's just a piece of sculpture or something. Or that's just a silhouette of a, a cardboard cutout of a movie star leaning against the wall. Isn't that what it was? So there's going to be some of that. More about that, though? What happens on something that's oh, like a deeper level when tears come to your eyes and you're not sure? Yeah. Good one. So uh, you're talking about you're not doing much and suddenly you have deep emotions? Mm-hmm. That's your problem. <laughs> so that I, I would say just, if that occurs, just might be a, what that's about. We don't need to conclude anything. But it's, it's a way of understanding that shows up uh, with an emotional dynamic. And it can get more intense, and it can back off. Also, that means nothing. Michael? Is there a way to get past attachment? Get what? Get past attachment. Probably, you can, if, you, if that was your goal, you probably could get get free of it. But it's not necessary to do that, and it and it's uh, it it only works for as long as you're working on your particular exercise of being not being attached. What is necessary from this perspective is you have to see the attachment. You don't do anything, don't don't detach, don't let go. I never say just let go to anyone, including myself. I just to let go of anything. Just see, just look, if you look at the attachment, I do this all the time, if you look at the, the way in which, if you try to let this go without examining the way in which you're attached, then 
It just gets painful. Or else you'll have an artificial attachment that looks something like this. I finally let go. Okay, that's much better. You're totally ignoring the attachment. And the only time the attachment comes back is when something that resonates with this, which might be another person's face, which might be another person's voice or something you're saying, suddenly you realize you've got a tight stranglehold on what it is that is being triggered by that other person. So, But if you're aware of the attachment, then you, your awareness is you're just present with that. And so you don't have a personal kind of self-centered agenda about being a person who's not attached. So you're, you're, you have a willingness to be genuine. Uh, so, I mean, if the, if the attachment is that you can let go of it, then, of course, let go. But don't do it as some kind of a uh, methodology to be a better, higher, greater person. It's, it's, it's a misunderstanding. That being said, if you really see the attachment and see the way in which, I'm just using my digits here to show you there's lots of ways to hang. You didn't need all those. You can't just hang on. That's not very good. Oh, you're so attached. Not really. But this is deep, and this could be, every one of those could be a lifetime. And I'm not blaming you or accusing you of having past lives. You don't need my pointer to know that. Every life you've ever lived is in this room. And you know it. How do you know it? Because it's not information. Some follow-up from Michelle. It sounds like this is happening during meditation practice. Um, his blinking increases to a very fast pace. His eyes wiggle like the whole world is shaking. So th this is what what's happening while he is this a he? Mm -hmm. Okay, while he's uh, sitting still, the eyes are going like this. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't do anything with it. Let him wiggle. Hold everything you can. Hold everything still and symmetrical that you can, without struggle. In other words, without trying to maintain anything. And then watch what continues to move. Uh, sometimes uh, with some people, I have one student, she shall remain nameless, <laughs> who uh, has uh, what are called in the Hindu tradition or in other yogic tradition, kriyas or spontaneous um, spontaneous body, body movements. I've had some of that. It happens once in a while. It's not a credential. It doesn't mean that you're somehow beyond everybody else, uh, but it shouldn't you to allow it to happen. This person is still not really allowing that to happen because they're, I don't know what is actually happening, but maybe a little embarrassed about it. Could be. I mean, nobody wants to sit in the room where everybody looks like a perfect Buddha and you're going, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think they're doing that because <laughs> I would agree with that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> but I mean, some kind of spontaneous movement and uh, that eye movement that's coming up, you know, seriously, I'm thinking that probably should give that some room, Michal, and, and just allow that to be that uh, at a few, if it's really, uh, uh, and I don't know if Michal has a teacher, perhaps you should talk to your teacher if you have one. Uh, but my recommendation, if someone was having something like that, as I understand it, because there might be aspects to it that uh, I'm not getting, but I would say, um, uh, especially if you're sitting as much as people sit here, sitting every day for several hours. But don't do anything with it for uh, a few weeks, a few months, and then at some point change and go the other direction and then endeavor to shut it down and then watch the contract. That's what I would say. And then even that would be something I would probably talk to that person about. Same as with the spontaneous body movements. Someone is trying very to sit very still and very symmetrical and their body starts to move it on its own. I would say... Watch that movement. That's that's about your 
your body mind connection is not a bad thing. It's just jumping. Yes. Is that movement impulse? Probably. But it, you know, all you have to do is be aware of it. You don't have to stop. I, mean, I, I couldn't teach. I was totally impulsive. I mean, you just I have no idea what I'm saying. So you could say is that impulse? Somewhat. But there's no, there's no real agenda behind it other than to save all beings, help you in the fundamental way that I've been helped by my teachers and by this teaching. Yes. Is impulse something that backs off and increases? You can do it, either one. And the interesting thing, and you'll be very aware of what it's doing, but you won't have preference. You'll just notice it's getting stronger, and then you notice it's getting weaker. But you don't add, you know what I'm talking about. You do this all the time. You're the perfect example of that. <laughs> <Aren't you? laughs> yeah. Don't need to correct anything. Just be genuine. Be who you are. Be this person who's come into this lifetime with this baggage and that baggage and that baggage. Don't worry about it. If I worried about baggage, I'd have killed myself a long time ago. I would. I would have blown. I tried to do that, but I, I met Trump for Jay when I was 33. You know, it's just loading my gun. Go ahead. We start to see um, impulse increasing. We have the contrast of a memory of maybe a time where it felt like things were a lot more settled. Um, is that a lie? Probably, probably ignorance. But I would, I would pounce on it and say, you could take it another direction. No, just, just let it do what it needs. It will get larger and smaller and more intense, noisier, or it'll back off. It'll go away for three weeks and then come back. None of your business. And why is it none of your business? There isn't anyone. As soon as you make something your business, that reinforces that person who knows about that and, and creates a knower of that particular item. I know this, I know that. It's not that you can't know something. It's the grasping at a self. That using that kind of knowledge to build up the one who knows something. Go ahead. How can we um, not kill our thoughts but also not agree with them? Just observe them. It's just like watching clouds. Some clouds are kind of homely and wrinkly looking. Old men. And some clouds are quite graceful and fluffy and have a little bit of sunlit, sunlight hitting them, like when you know. <laughs> and so you just observe them. You notice the contrast. Uh, artists, uh, musicians uh, can't work unless they're really, really, say, objective about contrast. This is why when you get music comes out of nowhere that we've never heard music like that or we've never seen artwork like that before because it's so revolutionary because the person who is producing that has gone deeply into uh, the, the formal structure of that without grasping or rejecting. They actually see the way forms come together to, to provide us with some kind of new insight into something that can't, you can't put words on. It's like, you like this this musician and you like don't particularly care for this one, or this particular kind of music evokes something that is like you don't know of anything that has that kind of flavor, and yet all they've got is a, a piano or a guitar or vocal cords. Yet you've never heard that before. And when, that's, when they're gone, you'll never hear it again. Uniquely individual, true with any of the artists. If the question, where does that come from, keeps showing up with the impulse, how can I look at that without meddling with it? I think you're just, just to ask that question tells me that you're doing fine. Just continue to do that. You might, it might also show up like meddling with it. Wanting something else, I want to change this. Just just watch that. It will wear out if you. When I say don't meddle, I know you can't help it. I can't help it. But if you're if you're clear about the degree of that, then then you get to you get to not only see the stage set, you get to see everything that's on stage. You get to see everybody in the front row. 
you get to see that entire panorama that we call me. You see everything. And you don't see it as a, a person in the 13th century, but you don't miss that either because you're no longer excluding anything. You no longer care about being somebody special. And amazingly, you become extremely special, not, maybe not to yourself, because there isn't anyone. There's no accumulation. Fear of death is gone because you're no longer afraid of life. You're not afraid to live and die because you're, you're no longer selective about anything. This doesn't mean that the selectivity doesn't come right to a point occasionally, just like when I come up to this uh, this altar, I'm extremely picky about how that looks. I can put my socks on backwards and not be too worried. You can do that put your socks backwards. <laughs> so, but coming up here, there's a. it's not that there's a right and a wrong up here. It's just that working with that form is, uh, helps me. It's not. I'm not correcting that so that it can make people wrong. I'm not, I'm not even correcting it. I'm just... I know I'm going to be sitting down here in a few moments and talking to you, and I want to make sure that I'm looking at what is arrived here and here. One more question, if you have it. Would you say it helps you in the sense that it brings you into the room here, into what's happening? Uh, I would say it brings the room into me. Now you're right. Brings me into Well, sent you here. Who sent you? In heaven? <laughs> <laughs> I saw her here with her little boy. That's your little boy, <laughs> I'm just saying I, what I'm saying is being silly, but I'm just saying, you know, it, sometimes it shows up one and sometimes it shows up the other and you don't really, you don't really miss the other way. You know, the right and wrong part of the thing is gone. It's just this and, and it's that. It's like, it's like arguing with night and day. You know, arguing with life and death, we do. We argue intensely. We don't want that. We want life. We want it. We want to serve the particular way. Go ahead. Uh, uh, question. Uh, as, an, as an artist, is there some, something that you do that has a semblance of, of fixing the altar that, that you might do before you start a, start a piece or, or inspiration or to... Make, make, yeah, I'm making drawings right now for this, uh, this Buddha that's going to go in the altar is there. That will come out into the yoga studio that you basically built. Uh, put the floor on, put the, the drywall and the ceiling and all the doors and windows. And that probably belongs to you. We <laughs> <laughs> did all that. Anyway, uh, that's going to be at some point. We haven't announced this yet, but at some point. Um, or did we? No. So then I'll <laughs> At some point, that, that might show up as a more public case because this is a private monastery. And so it would be easier for public to come into that on Sunday. So we'll see what happens. But that's what, when you ask that question, I'm thinking of all the drawings I've been doing of ways of uh, creating around this new Buddha, uh, creating images around this, just like we're uh, going to be doing images in here. In fact, Mayun is working on paintings for, that will go in based on the, uh, in the altar, based on the you know, life of the Buddha. I assume that's what she's doing. She's in France. I can't check out. Is there I guess I'm curious if, you have, if there's a more particular personal approach that you use to, to begin any new artwork. Other than that, I like, I like to look at artwork. And I, have a, I have a painting by uh, Charles E. from Birchfield, who was a painter from the last century, uh, on uh, the wall right above the, the TV screen. And much more fun to look at the Birchfield. Than the TV screen. So sometimes looking at that and listening to the word, you know, 
today I was uh, telling you, you know, I says, I think I'm going to go up and get out my paint and go up and darken that one area. <laughs> you know, lighten it up a little bit. So, I mean, it's just, huh? I was going to fix this painting, so I'm probably not going to do that. Not because I don't want it, because I'm late. Too <laughs> <laughs> much work. But it'll be interesting. I thought about getting a piece of paper and painting that and putting that up there and, you know, uh, you know, artists knew that, you know, take a, you know that, you know, kind of, let me teach art. You ever do that with a painting? Does anyone who paints you ever uh, see an area and you don't want everybody to put paint in there because they might have gone too far and then you've got a lot of messy correcting to do. But if you just paint a piece of paper and put that there, sometimes that helps. And then uh, Danny and I are going to start teaching life drawing classes. Oh, I didn't tell you about oh, that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> She's also an artist. So I think it would be nice to use the yoga studio as a place to do not only yoga and not only meditation, but also some life drawing over there. That would be great. You think that would be a good idea? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would you come over here and teach the class? Just respond. remind everybody about the donation boxes that are in the hallway. We appreciate and depend on your generosity to help us keep things going. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way.